Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. So this is the text from this morning. The main text is going to be the text from, from 1 Kings. Uh, and in 1 Kings, there's a bit of uh, background that you got to understand because it starts out, right? It starts out with... This like line that just says, so Ahab told Jezebel everything that was happening. Now, you may not know who these people are. You may be like me. The only time you heard Jezebel as a kid was when you watched Fred Sanford and his, uh, his uh, what, was, what was she, his sister-in-law? Sister-in-law used to call every woman he had a Jezebel. That's, uh, I just have that vivid memory from a child growing up. Uh, my dad would let me stay up. And anytime we have school the next day, I got to stay up with him, and we'd watch the evening news, and then Sanford's son would come on after that. And I just remember that. So you may not even have a clue who Jezebel was, where that context came from. Uh, Esther knew the Bible, right? She just spouted us out, but you may not have a clue. And so let's start with there, with that. But it goes back way further. Okay, it starts really at Genesis. What happens in Genesis? God creates, and then because of sinfulness, God destroys. But he saves a little remnant, and he makes a covenant with his people, right? And then right after that, we see God call out Abraham. And he says, Abraham, go. And so Abraham goes, and, be, and God says, because you, you, you were this man of faith, and you believed in me, and you did what you did, I am going to bless you, and all nations are going to be blessed because of you. Now, we have jacked that, con- that out of context a lot. Uh, and let's just be clear, that blessing came through the person, the work of Jesus, not a group of people, Okay. It was the lineage of that group of people through which the Messiah came, but it was the Messiah who was the blessing for the nations. And so after that was given, um, we've kind of followed the story. A lot happens. We have Joseph, and then uh, because of that, uh, and there's provisions in Egypt. They go to Egypt. They're enslaved. They've been enslaved for 400 years-ish, right? And then Moses comes on the scene, and God calls Moses, and Moses flees from that. And so God calls Moses again out of the burning bush at his father-in-law's house. And so he goes back, and he has a message from God to, the, to, the, uh, to Pharaoh, and God delivers him, right? And so after they come out, and they're wandering. Actually, before the wandering begins, they go, up on, uh, they go to this place, right? And Moses is called up onto a mountain to hear from God. There's Mount Sinai. Later, it's called Mount Horeb. Okay? So on the same mountain, God came and he revealed himself to Moses, right? Do you remember the story where God revealed himself to Moses? He said, Moses, I'm going to let you catch a glimpse of me, right? You're going to get to see me, but you're only going to get to see the backside of me. You get to see me as I pass by. And it was just like the fog came down and the thunder and it was the whole scene. And remember the people down on the ground thought like Moses is done for. There's this big storm happening up on the mountain where Moses went. He's toast, so make for us a, a God, Aaron, so that we can worship something. Uh, they didn't realize that God was speaking to Moses up there. And he gives them the law and he comes down from that mountain. And so that happens. And then... God sends judges to help them navigate through all that they're doing. So they have the judges. And the last judge, you remember the last judge's name? It was Samuel. And actually, we're going to read a story about Samuel later. But the last judge was that. And God, and they were 
clamoring for a king. And so God tells Samuel, okay, you can anoint this king, anoint Saul. So he anoints Saul. Saul has his little mess up where he was supposed to sacrifice everything and he did, I mean, supposed to destroy everything and he didn't. God said, I'm removing your authority from you. I'm giving it to David. Samuel also anoints David. They go on. David's son, uh, David was a great king. God's kingdom expanded as far as territory goes, right? And then his son Solomon builds the temple. And then after that, it was not good. You, if you read through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, there's a lot of like negative type of things going on. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad kings that aren't listening. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not being obedient. Excuse me, I said uh, Samuel um, in Chronicles, and you read through that, you just see that this negative, negative, negative. Uh, there's kind of a couple little bright shining points. Remember, the, the um, his name just flew out of my brain. But the seven-year-old king, the child king who discovered it, Josiah. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you, James. Um, so you had Josiah, uh, the king. You had a couple little bright points, but it got bad. About the worst of the worst was this guy named Ahab. He was about the bottom of the barrel when it came to the kings of Israel. He, he married a wife, even though they were instructed, don't marry outside of these people. And there were specific reasons. It had nothing to do with race. It had everything to do with the religion. God said, if you marry these other people, they're going to want to bring their religion in here, right? So right now, I want to keep it here. And Ahab didn't care. So he marries Jezebel. And what does Jezebel do? She wants to bring in all of her her kings. She wants the Israelites to worship her kings, right? Who are they? They're the Baal. They're the Asherah. And this is what they're doing. And so enter in our friend Elijah. Now, Elijah's the guy who prophesied droughts and he had ravens feed him in the fields and he kind of had this whole thing going on. And then God says, I want you to confront these uh, prophets of Baal. And so he says, okay, tell all of your prophets to meet me on, there's a different mountain this time. Tell all your prophets to meet me on this mountain. And we're going to have a showdown, basically. And so this is what happens. If you go back and you read 1 Kings chapter uh, 18, you kind of read this story. So this is the build-up to that. The prophets of Baal are up there, and they're doing their chants and their prayers, and they're doing all the stuff. And there's 450 of them because the challenge was whoever's God will take this sacrifice with fire is the true God. So there, it says in there, they're in chapter 18, they're dancing around, they're praying, they're yelling, they're doing all this stuff. In fact, we even get a story where Elijah's like taunting them. It's like, maybe, you're, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe if you go louder, he'll wake up, right? And then Elijah is so confident in his God. He says, you know what? Not only is my God going to burn this up, but just douse it with water. So they douse it with water. And then God came. And he burned up the water and the rocks and the, like the whole thing was gone. And then it, then it says that Elijah put all those prophets of Baal to the sword. He killed them all. Pick up. So that's the history. That's the brief consolidated history of what has happened up until now. Enter in, so the very beginning it says, so... Uh, Ahab's telling his wife Jezebel all that happened and how Elijah put all these kings to death. And she says, now I'm paraphrasing, I'm not reading straight from Scripture, but she basically says, 
you know, I'm going to be cursed if I do not have this man dead by the next day. Within, within 24 hours, this guy's not dead. It's done. And so you can just imagine, like, put yourself in Elijah's shoes, right? You're this prophet, and you just gave God this great victory. God kind of gave the world a display through you for everybody to see that he is God. And, then, you know, if this had been a movie, scene ends, horns are sounding, like everybody, and they go they're happily ever after, right? That's not what happened with Elijah. Elijah actually finds out from a, a messenger, oh, now she wants to kill you. So you actually don't get all the praise and honor and glory that you would, like a hero would normally get in this sight. You're about to get killed. So what does he do? He runs, right? So he takes off in fear, as you can imagine. Uh, I would imagine the queen is probably the second most powerful person outside of the king in the kingdom. She wants to put him to death. He, we read from context later in chapter 19, he's the last of the prophets left. He's gone. He's out of there. It says he stops in Beersheba. God speaks to him through an angel. He doesn't really seem surprised by that, which I would imagine would be true after you've seen all that Elijah has seen. He's had ravens feed him, right, in the fields. Like God's fed him through birds. He's seen God answer with fire. With the, He's seen a lot. So angel wakes him up. And he's like, if that had happened to me, I'd have been awake for five days. Right? I'd have been, still been scared and probably shaking, right? He goes back to sleep. He eats, goes back to sleep. Angel wakes him up again says, hey, eat some more. you got a long journey ahead of you. He gets up and he runs for 40 days, 40 nights. Not Probably not literally runs. But where, where does he go? Four. Mount Sinai, back to where it all started, right? He wants to hear from God. He wants to go back to where it started, where God spoke to the people and said, this is what it's, because the people have strayed from it, right? Like they're gone from it. He says, I'm the last one. Let's read what happens next. So he came to a cave there at Mount Horeb where God spoke to Moses, where God gave the Ten Commandments, where God revealed himself. He came to a cage and lodged in it. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you going to do here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek to take, they seek my life to take it away. And so here's what God says to Elijah in verse 11. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord God, and behold, the Lord passed by. I just want to stop there. Because this is, God's about to speak to Elijah. And he says, behold, Elijah, go out of your cave. Go out. The Lord's going to pass by. Can you imagine, like if you put yourself in Elijah's shoes, right? You know the history, you know everything that's happened, you, and you know what's happening now. The people, he just he just summed it up. The people do not believe in you anymore. They've torn down all of the altars to you. They're doing this other thing that they're not supposed to be doing. Nobody's left. It's just me. And God's, he's at the mountain where Moses was, right? He's there. 
And God's about to speak to him. Can you imagine like how excited? Because he knows what, what God did with Moses. He, he showed himself to him. He got to look at him. He gave him a law. He did all this stuff. And it really kind of set Moses as if Moses wasn't already this authority figure. He's set up now as this authority figure. And he's there. And he's like, God's going to speak to me. This is going to be it. Can you imagine the level of anticipation and excitement? And then the wind starts blowing, right? It says it's blowing so hard, it's breaking the rocks of the mountains up. And Elijah has to be remembering this story from, from Moses. He's like, man, God, this is it. Like, this is God. Like, this is, this is going to be it. Like, the, the, it says God wasn't in the wind. But then the ground starts rumbling. This earthquake starts happening. This is it. This is God. God's about to do this. This is going to be it. So God wasn't in the earthquake either. And then the fire. I, I, I kind of wonder what this was like. Like, is it fire all around? Was it really a volcano? And he didn't know it. And lava's coming up. Like, how does fire? Like, but it says then there was fire. And it's like, this has got to be it. This is God. God's speaking. I'm going to listen. I'm going to see God. It's just going, I'm, I'm like equal with Moses now. Like, this is fantastic. And it says God was not in the fire either. And then it said, this translation, if you look down at verse 12, uh, the end of verse 12, it says, The Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. If you grew up reading, or maybe still are from a King James, what does it say? Still small voice, right? You may have heard that phrase, a still small voice. That's really what pops in my brain when I hear this because I heard it so much as a little kid. Um, it came in a still and a small voice. This translation says a whisper. It came in a whisper. And it was as if Elisha knew, Elijah knew that that was God. And so he wrapped his face and he went out. And he stood at the entrance of a cave and he heard the voice, What are you doing here, Elijah? He repeated what he said before. I've been very jealous for you. They're not listening. They're doing their own thing. They killed them all. I'm the only one left. And they even want to kill me. And so God gives them some instruction. And he says, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint. He tells him he's going to anoint a king over Israel, a king over Syria. And he's going to anoint actually a prophet that's going to follow him. And then what does he say? He says, they're actually, I'm going to save my, for myself a remnant. Of 7,000 who have not yet bowed a knee to Baal or kissed him. It's kind of another kind of um, Noah flood experience, right? Like I've got a little remnant. We can do something with this because I'm God. But here is Elijah. And we're going to talk about the ramifications of what God said to Elijah. But as we talk about what it is to hear and to see and to know God's voice, we oftentimes, or let me say it even clearer, I oftentimes want the earthquake. I oftentimes want the the uh, wind and the thunder, and I want the fire to come down. I want this obvious thing. I want the burning bush, right? I want the clouds to part and the dove to come down. I want all these things to happen to say, this is God speaking just a quiet whisper. Just a gentle leading of God's spirit. And it's, 
gives my faith strength, but it also could be damaging in some ways because a lot of times when it comes in a quiet, really unassuming way, it's easier sometimes to just ignore the voice of God and say, that can't be God. But I'm weaving this scripture and I'm glad it's in scripture because I want us to understand and to know that is God. Oftentimes we can say with our mouth, have, having never happened, I don't know that it's never happened to anybody in here, but you guys have never told me any stories like this, so I'm assuming it probably hadn't, that God's never spoken to you in a burning bush that didn't consume all the way to the ground. I'm assuming that God never spoke to you through a donkey on the side of a road, like audibly. Uh, if he did, that's fantastic. Uh, please tell me that story. I'd love to hear it because I believe God can still do all that. Um. I have, I have seen people, I know people that have said, yeah, I know for a fact, like, this is how God spoke to me in a really specific way. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I have one story like that, and I'm not going to share it with you today, maybe at some point, or it was that kind of thing. It was, it was a little bit uh, freaky, and it was kind of humorous. So if I ever tell you that story, you'll understand why. But I'm not going to get off on that tangent, but a lot of times, in fact, for me, most of the time, it's come with this quiet whisper. Because if it came in the burning bush, it's harder to say, well, that's not God. So I have to either say I'm not going to be obedient to God or say, nope, this is God. God can do that. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to be obedient to that because if the God I'm worshiping is that powerful, and he is, then I'm then it's easier to – but when it comes to that quiet voice, it's sometimes easier to say, ah, well, maybe that wasn't God, so I'm just going to move on about my way. But I love it that God speaks to me in that way too. Because what I know from Scripture is we see people throughout Scripture who see God speak in these ways, right? There were people in the camp of Israel who saw all ten plagues happen. And they still grumbled against God, right? As soon as they got on the other side. There were people in Israel's camp who saw, who saw God provide for them daily food and then they couldn't believe that in a miraculous way, mind you, they just appeared on the ground. And then as they're about to cross over the Jordan into the promised land and take it over, so well, God's not big enough to do that. So I know that while I could say if I saw the burning bush, I would be obedient. We have examples in Scripture where <laughs> that's just not true. We have examples in Scripture where people saw Jesus' miraculous things and still wanted to you know, explain it away in some other way, whether it was, you know, he's demon-possessed or whether it's not real or, you know, whatever it was, they wanted to explain it away. And so we know that. And oftentimes God comes to us in this quiet whisper. And he tells us, and he gently leads us to where we need to be. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think they, I think one of the one of the things that's really cool about this story, too, is not only how God spoke, but what God spoke. What did God speak to? What, what, was, what was Elijah's first reaction? Elijah wanted to run backwards, right? He wanted to run back to where it was that he first, he knew the people of God heard God most dramatically. And it was on the thunder and the mountain with the clouds and the whole thing. And, the, and he, got the, he got the tablets with the law, right? And he even broke them and God gave them to him again. I mean, it was this whole thing. His, his, his temptation was to run back and God said, no, you got to go forward. In fact, Kingdoms have been split, and so here's what's going to happen. 
You're going to anoint a kingdom, a king of Israel. You're going to anoint a king of Syria. In fact, you're going to anoint somebody who's coming after you because we're progressing. We're moving forward. Uh, a lot of times when we're scared, our temptation is to go back to where it's safest, where we know we heard God last, right? Uh, where we know God worked, where we know God did this, and we want to go back to what that is. And God's saying, nope, I want you to go forward. God is in the new things. We can remember and honor the past. I had a conversation with one of our members this week about that, actually, where it's like the temptation sometimes is uh, when we hear things that God's doing something new, or even if we're not talking about spiritual things, but just in society, and things are changing, and, and they are all around us every day, our temptation is like we want it like it used to be. But God's saying, I am, like society's changing, and I am not at all confused by that. It doesn't surprise me. In fact, I'm a dynamic God and I am changing. Uh, I have changed up until now and I will continue to while I stay the same, right? It's not that God is changing. It's God is willing to work and act and, and move within his people no matter what happens with society. God is so constant, but he is ever changing and he's, and he's willing to allow us in on that journey. What used to be I remember growing up as a kid, right? I mean, we can even tell this change in a short time frame. I remember in, uh, I was in college, and, I, and I, I've told you guys a story, but I grew up in a church where like, contemporary worship was no big deal. Like, it just, that's how it was. I mean, even through the 70s and 80s, the church that I grew up in, uh, you know, kind of came out of the Jesus movement and the hippies and the whole deal. And uh, there was lots of, you know, uh, music was wrapped up into that. So, like, you know, I was... You know, all through the 80s and 90s, contemporary music was just what I knew. That's all my, my mom and dad knew. And so when I got to the 90s and that became a debate among churches, I was like, what's the debate? You know, I didn't know that was an issue. Um, I knew there were churches that didn't do that, but I didn't know like there was a debate about it. But we've even seen that, right? I mean, I remember it's not more than 20 years ago, people were saying, like, that's wrong. Like, you can't do that. You can't change. And God's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, but you can worship me in different ways. <laughs> Like, it's not just that. Like, we've seen, like, that's a very caricatured answer, but that's one that we all know, right? We've seen God move, and God is telling Elijah, I'm not changing. I'm still God. I'm still in control. I'm still leading you people, actually, to not worship idols and do all this stuff. But I'm saving a remnant for myself. There's going to be a prophet after you. There are going to be new kings. We're going to get our way through this. you got to go back to where you came from, not back to where this started or where you think it started, but back to the present, back to where I am moving and you got to do some things. God is doing something new all around us. And no matter how society feels is changing, God is still right here in the midst of that. And it is the job of each of us as believers to be in prayer, to to seek, God, where are you moving? And where are you moving me in what is going on? The world is changing. God is moving in fresh and wondrous ways. As the Holy Spirit empowers and guides us to love and embrace each other, may we be encouraged that God still speaks, that God still speaks to us, and that God has an exciting future for us. It's not only how God spoke, but he spoke in this gentle whisper. And what he spoke to Elijah was go back to the present. Get away from this past. You can honor the past. I don't want you to forget the past. I want you to know that I did stuff. It doesn't make what we did before and the way we did it bad. It just is different now. 
we're doing something. I'm doing something different. So get on with it. Elijah, don't be here. Go back. Go back to Damascus. Here's the people. Here's who's going to move it forward. God speaks to us daily. He speaks to us in different ways. And so last week we talked about one of the ways that God spoke, right? And how he spoke to Gideon. This week he speaks still. And this week, as we learn from 1 Kings, he speaks in this quiet whisper sometimes. But he still speaks. And he's calling us to do something new all the time. God's never saying, yep, this is it, and so this is where we're going to stay. All right? Yep, this is it. This You, you guys nailed it in in 1999, you know, so never change from that. Right? <laughs> you guys got locked in in 1954. You guys got locked in in you know, 1123 A.D. I don't know what was going on then. Like none of us do, right? Uh, God is moving and constantly moving us, and he's speaking to us, and he's telling us, to get on about his business. And he speaks to us in thunder and clouds, but some, a lot of times he speaks to us in a still small voice. And so that is really my encouragement to you today is to hear God's voice speaking to you in all the ways it does, but don't ignore. It's easy to pass by the gentle whisper, but don't ignore that because God is in that. And we, and we see that from Elijah's story that God was in that. Elijah was expecting something big and he got it. <laughs> It just didn't come in the way he wanted it. It came in that quiet whisper, that still small voice to say, hey, get back to the present, get on about the business of what we're doing. Let's pray. God, as you reveal yourself to us in all the ways in which you do, we ask that you would give us wisdom to know your voice. May we not follow after every whim and thought that comes in our head, but may we become so intimate with you that we know your voice when it comes in the thunder and when it comes in the gentle whisper. May we know your voice. May we be obedient to your voice. May we not be scared to move forward when you call us forward, God. May we not be flippant with that either and just move for the sake of moving but God, don't let us be scared to move when you're calling us to move. God, we love you and we thank you for all the ways that you call us and all the ways that you speak to us and for all the things that you're telling us. Would you give us the wisdom to hear? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.